Well, I want to go ahead and get started this evening, get right back into what we've been dealing with on our Wednesday nights. Uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> and we've taken some time to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. Spent several weeks looking at that. We spent some time looking at the life of the Spirit, how to be led by the Spirit, how to allow Him to uh, help us make the right choices and to do the right things on a daily basis. Um, but last week we wanted to shift gears a little bit, and um, I introduced to you the fruit of the Spirit. And um, the reason why we're going here, you know, because a lot of people they get excited about the Holy Spirit, they get excited about the gifts of the Spirit and their their talents and uh, their abilities, gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues, revelation, <coughs> and these type of things. But the Bible has much to say about our character and our conduct. And so last week we took some time to look at the fruit of the Spirit and what does that mean to bear fruit? What does that mean to have the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit are not the works. The fruit of the Spirit is not uh, the the showy things and, and the things that we do that seem spiritual. If you ask anybody what does a spiritual person look like, you would think they're, they read their Bible all the time or they pray all the time or they're always talking about Jesus. Or they're always... Uh, you know, doing good things, but we're going to find out that this is not the fruit that Jesus was talking about. Last week we started with Matthew chapter 7, and we were right around 15 through 23, and in that passage he says that you will know them by their fruit. And then he goes on in verse 23, and he says that there will be many people that say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons? Did I not do good? Did I not uh, have signs and wonders and miracles and operation in my life? And he's going to say, Jesus is going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. Now, this is interesting because these are the things that we've always thought that we could pick out and say, that's a spiritual person. For sure, that person's getting in the kingdom. For sure, that person is doing kingdom purpose. But Jesus has much to say about someone's heart. Jesus has much to say about identifying what the fruit is. And so that's what we want to take some time to look at. Last week we ended with a passage. And I ended here specifically because it carries over right into what I want to talk about today. Uh, so let's go ahead and get right into it. We want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is the chapter that most people know about as the love chapter. It defines love, it identifies what love is, and go ahead and tell you right now that, you know, if we uh, took some time to look at this, we'd find out that uh, we actually aren't walking in love as much as we want to think we are. Um, and so it's something great to keep in front of us, but look at these first three verses here. We're going to start with verse 1. And this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not what? Love. I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So notice there, right here starting out, we think that this is something spiritual. You're speaking with the tongues of men. You're speaking with the tongues of angels. I mean, you're, you're talking in, in, in tongues. We know that this is a spiritual thing. The Holy Spirit, one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone's life is the evidence of speaking in tongues in another language. But look what Paul says. He says, but if you don't have love, 
you are a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Basically what he's saying is without love and operation in your life, you're just making a bunch of noise. Now we're thinking this is a spiritual thing. This is, I mean, if, if this would identify anybody as spiritual, that would be it. Let's go on in verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, there are people out there that are just seeking after knowing something that no one else knows or uh, just after knowledge and understanding and things. And he goes on, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Well, didn't Jesus say that we could have have faith to remove mountains? That's where he's pulling that from. But go on. But have not love. I am nothing. We're seeing a repetitive theme here. Again, he's pulling out something else that we deem people as being spiritual with. You're spiritual if you're able to operate in the gift of prophecy. You're spiritual if you can understand and communicate the word with and all the mysteries and all the knowledge. You're spiritual if you can have faith to move mountains. When sickness tries to come on your life, you you have faith to get rid of it. When you have come into a financial problem, you have faith to get past it. You're removing mountains. You're seeing things take place in your life because of faith being in operation. But Paul says, even those things, if you don't operate in love, he says here, I am nothing. So first off, he says, without love, you're just making a bunch of noise. Then he says, without love, you are nothing. There's one more verse, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love. It profits me nothing. We know the verse, give, and it will be given to you. And we know what Jesus says about taking up your cross, and if you lay down your life to follow him, then you'll be given eternal life. You'll be given a life greater than what you can imagine. But Paul says here that even if I give everything away to feed the poor, and even if I give up my body, if I sacrifice my life, But if I do it without love, it profits me nothing, which means I I receive nothing in return. Now, he's identifying one thing here, and that is love. We must operate in love. Love is the foundation. Um, We know the fruits of the Spirit. There's nine of them. There's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, you know, uh, the self-control. These are the fruit of the spirit but love is the foundation because if you understand if you operate in love you'll be faithful to your employer and faithful to your spouse if you operate in love you'll operate in patience with people even though they get you worked up if you operate in love you'll have peace in situations where they're very worrisome love is the foundation so he's saying without love no matter how many spiritual things you do, if the fruit of the Spirit are not evident in your life, we're lacking something. We're missing something. See, the gifts of the Spirit are not intended to surpass the fruit of the Spirit. 
the fruit of the Spirit, get this, the fruit of the Spirit are to sustain the gifts of the Spirit. See, the gifts of the Spirit without the evidence of the fruit, they're, they're pointless for you. You know, um, a, a gift is something that you do not work for. And this is why people want to attain to the gifts of the Spirit. People want to attain to them because they're showy. Um, they make you look better. I mean, you think about it. When you get a gift, if someone comes up to you and says, I, I want to give this to you, I, I just want to give you a special gift. And they give you jewelry or they give you money or they give you uh, things. That betters you. That betters your life. And sometimes we can use those gifts to help other people. But the gift is not work for it. You can't come and do work for me for a few hours and then I say, hey, I want to give you $100. I just you know, I want to bless you. I just want to gift this to you. Okay, I can say that, but on the inside you're thinking, well, really, you're just paying me for what I just did. I mean, you can't go, your employer can't come to you and say, hey, I just, I just felt like blessing you this week, so, so here's your paycheck. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Why? Because you work for it. You earn that. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit are. The fruit is work. Ask any farmer. Ask anyone that does planting and sowing and reaping throughout the year and, and harvesting. Fruit comes out of labor. You sow a seed, and you receive back from that seed, and that's how you receive the fruit. But we don't want to do that. See, there are people that are born with gifts, people that are born with talents. There are people that have a speaking talents. There are people that have uh, musical talents, can play instruments or can sing. There are people that have talents to play sports. And see, we want to get those gifts, and then we want to forget about the fruit that is needed to keep us there. I said this last week that gifts are obtained, but fruit is maintained. Which means you're working it. You're always trying, you're always working to stay in a posture of love. You're always in a working to stay in a posture of peace. You're always working to stay in a posture of faithfulness. And see, the reason you have to work, see, the Bible doesn't promise that you're always going to be in positions where it's easy to love people. We know that's true. Uh, the, the Bible does not say that it'll be easy for you to walk in faithfulness because, you know, you're always going to work for employers that love you and, and think you're the best thing on the face of the planet and are just excited to see you every day and treat you perfect. No. The reason the fruit has to be maintained is because we're always in a world that resists the fruit that we have to give it always allows us, always gives us opportunity to respond in an incorrect way. See, the reason why the peace of God has to be worked and maintained in our life is because this world is not really a peaceful place. The reason why we have to operate in and work and maintain the fruit of patience is because there's always going to be something in this world and in our lives that's going to try to get us out of being patient and become impatient. The reason why we have to re work the fruit of love is because we'll come across people and situations in our lives that'll give us opportunity to walk out of love. To not give ourselves according to love. 
So the fruit has to be worked. The fruit has to be maintained. And we cannot allow the gifts to get in front of the fruit. The gifts of the Spirit, those are given to people. But they are not to be intended, they are not intended to be used outside of first maintaining your character and your conduct and your lifestyle. Look at this in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You've heard me say it before. And I'm going to bring it up again. And obviously we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And there's a reason why Paul is addressing this issue. There's a reason why Paul is saying um, the gifts and doing good things and being a good Christian cannot surpass walking in love and operating in the fruit of the Spirit. This is why. This Corinthian church, you have to know that the book of Corinthians, there's two of them, first and second, they are written to a Corinthian church. They are letters that Paul wrote to these churches. And so we are dealing with a Corinthian church that is in, that's having some problems. We're going to find out here they're having some pretty serious problems. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to start at the end and go back to the beginning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the next chapter over. Paul says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, each of you has a teaching, each of you has a tongue, a revelation, each of you has an interpretation. Let all things be done for for edification. Now, this sounds like a very spiritual church. I'd go to that church. I mean, they've got psalms, got teaching, got tongues going on, revelation, interpretation. I mean, each of them, everybody, everybody's operating in the gifts of the Spirit. That's awesome. That sounds like a spiritual church to me. I mean, if you ask a lot of people, what do you want out of church? You just tell me, I want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. I want to know the Holy Spirit's moving. I want to know that they're given time for the Holy Spirit to operate in their lives and in their church and that the Holy Spirit's having reign. In fact, uh, what Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is he's trying to direct this body. He's trying to direct this church because there were, the gifts of the Spirit were happening in, in such a way that he needed to bring direction and say, look, when, when, when someone's given a tongue, there has to be an interpretation. Uh, let one person speak at a time. Let's not all speak at the same time because then we're not being edified. He, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation so much in this church that Paul's actually having to direct it. Okay, this is how we operate in the Spirit. So we would think this is a spiritual church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Same book. Same church. Same people. Verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. And what does carnal mean? As to babes in Christ. He's not saying they're not saved. He's not saying they're unbelievers. 
He's saying, you are believers. You are Christians. But you are not spiritual people. Verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. He's talking about when he first established his church. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. But look what he says. But even now, you are still not able to receive it. For you are still what? Carnal. Now he begins to list some things. He begins to outline. Why are they carnal? For where there are envies, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Well, my gosh. Same church. Signs and wonders. Gifts. Tongues. Teaching. Songs. Interpretations. Revelation. Gifts of the Spirit in operation in this church. But to the same church, Paul is saying, you are not spiritual. You are not spiritual people. You are carnal. You are babes in Christ. You are babies. You are a bunch of little, immature, carnal babies. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not born again. But you have not grown up. You have stayed at the infancy stage. You have stayed at birth. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It gets worse. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a couple chapters over. Verse 1. Paul is having to deal with some mess in this church. Verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, a son is sleeping with his father's wife, not his mom, to be his stepmom. But a son has taken his father's wife and is committing sexual immorality with her. But look what happened in verse 2. And you are puffed up. You are proud of it. You have not mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Paul is actually saying that instead of mourning the sin that is in your church and wanting to get rid of it, even if it means getting rid of the person who's living in sin, you are proud of it. And are doing nothing about it. This is incredible. The same church who we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Is having all these signs and wonders and miracles taking place in their church. And Paul is saying, you're not spiritual people. You're carnal. You are babies. You are fighting. You're arguing, there's envy, there's strife, there's division, there's sexual immorality. You are proud of your sexual immorality. You are doing nothing about it, doing nothing to get rid of it. 
This is the same church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we know that this passage is about the body of Christ. You are many members. And the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the foot, I want to be a foot. Why do you have to say this stuff? Because there's strife and there's divisions. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he points out that some people are saying, well, I'm of Paul because I was here when Paul was planting his church. And then others are saying, well, we're of Apollos because Apollos came in and watered the work that Paul planted. And Paul said, it, it doesn't matter who was here. You're neither of Paul. You're neither of Apollos. You are of God because God is the one bringing the increase. So this is the church Paul's having to deal with. And so this is why. This is why. These are the reasons why in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, look, I don't care if you speak in the tongues of men and of angels. If you don't have love, you're just making a bunch of noise. This is why. I don't care if you are operating in the gift of prophecy, if you understand all mysteries and knowledge. I don't care if you have so much faith that you're moving every mountain out of your way. If you're not operating in love, if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit in operation, you are nothing. This is why he addresses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. He says, look, I don't care if you give all your goods to the poor. I don't care if you are sacrificing your life to do things for people. If you're not operating in love, you are profiting nothing. You are receiving nothing in return. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to make a connection here. Last week we read Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. Let me pull up that passage for you once again. Because we're going to make a connection here. I'm going to go back to where we were. It's almost as if we're going full full circle. Last week we started in Matthew chapter 7. We ended with 1 Corinthians 13. Today we started with 1 Corinthians 13. But I'm going to take you back. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about people that are operating in gifts, but are really deceiving themselves. Matthew chapter 7, Let's start with verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So what is he saying? He's saying, look, a a person that is not of the kingdom 
is not going to bear fruit of the kingdom. A person that is of the kingdom and stakes their life to the kingdom ought to bear fruit of the kingdom of God. We said this last week. I took you all the way back to Genesis and God set something into play that every seed is to reproduce. But that seed doesn't reproduce what it wants to reproduce. The seed reproduces after its own time. It's not a surprise. It's not magic. If a farmer plants an apple seed, guess what he's getting? An apple tree. If a farmer plants a cotton seed, that's big around here, he knows come harvest time, he will be reaping a harvest of cotton. There's no surprise. So Jesus lays it out. And I know it sounds very simple. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. It tells us this. You can identify the seed that is that someone is sowing into their life based upon the fruit that they are reproducing. Do not tell me that you are sowing the word of God into your life. You are, I, man, Pastor, I, I read my Bible all the time. I mean, I read it, I read it every day. I, I read probably for you know, eight to ten hours a day. But your life is pathetic, and your life is not operating according to the kingdom, and your life is 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 not reproducing the fruit of the kingdom. You're not walking in love. You're not walking in joy. You're not walking in patience with people. You don't have self-control. We need to sow the word to get the word. If you sow good, you get good. If you sow bad, you get bad. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That sounds like a spiritual gift. Have we not cast out demons in your name? That sounds pretty spiritual. Have we not done many wonders in your name? Lord, I'm a spiritual person. I've done all kinds of spiritual things. But look what he says to them in verse 23. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, what's that word? Practice lawlessness. That word practice means to habitually do, to make a habit of. You make a habit of sinning and you desire to not correct it. That was the church in Corinthians. They had a habit of sexual immorality and they did nothing to correct it. They were practicing sexual immorality. In fact, Paul said, you are puffed up about it. You are proud of it. You're excited about it. Why? They were proud of it because, look, God is still using us even though we are living in this. Yeah. That's how they were proud of it. They were proud of it saying, I guess God's still using us. No, you're so proud that you don't want to correct the issue. Sometimes people fall into pride and they don't even think that they're a very proud person. But when you humble yourself before the Lord... You are saying, strip of me everything. Take away from me everything that is not of your kingdom because I only want to produce the fruit of the kingdom of God. That's what a humble position is. 
a humble position is not proud and excited that God is still in operation in your life even though you have sin in your life. You are practicing, you are making a habit of, and you are habitually living in sin, choosing to do the wrong thing, knowing you're doing the wrong thing, and doing nothing about it. That's who he's talking about. Lord, we had gifts of prophecy in operation in our church. I mean, people gave tongues. People gave interpretation. Revelations came to us. I mean, we had teaching. Psalms were given. I mean, Lord, we operate in the Holy Spirit in our services. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Leave me. You're practicing lawlessness. You're practicing sin. Now, I want to make a connection here. In the next four verses are popular, the popular parable that Jesus gave. One man is a wise man. He builds his house on a rock. Another man is a foolish man. He builds his house on the sand. And we know what happens. We're going to read it. But I want to show a different side. Because, and I, I've done this myself. In fact, I have a message. I have a message myself that I've preached where it talks about uh, the wise man builds his house on the rock, and we liken the rock to the word. And we say, if you build your foundation on the, if you build your house, build your life on the word of God, you will not crumble. And is that true? Sure it is. The word is a rock. The word will not falter. The word will not give way. The word will not give up on you. And if you build your life on the word and live according to the word of God, you apply your life to the word of God, then you will be that wise man that's built on the rock. But I want to show something different here because look in verse 24. The, what's the first word there? Therefore. I'm going to stop right there. Therefore. That word therefore is a connecting word. That word, therefore, in essence, Jesus is saying, refer back to what I just got done talking about. And we just read it. What did he just get done talking about? It. He just got done talking about people, false prophets. Beware of them. They're ravenous wolves. Beware of them because they come out showing good. They look good on the outside. But on the inside, they have no fruit. On the inside, there's no character. On the inside, they're morally corrupt. On the inside, their conduct is not of the kingdom of God. But on the outside, they're casting out demons. On the outside, they're prophesying in my name. On the outside, they're doing mighty works. So that's what he just got done talking about. In verse 24, he starts it off saying, therefore. So according to what I just said, listen to what i got to say. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended. The floods came. 
and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. So what's the difference between the two? One does them and one doesn't do them. If you hear what I'm saying and you do not do them, you will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Notice here, both men heard the word. Both men went through storms. We know that those storms are likened to trials and tribulations. One house stood. One house fell. What was the difference between the two? One applied the word. One didn't apply the word. But according to what Jesus is talking about in this passage, here's what I want to show today. Here's what I want you to see. I believe that according to what Jesus just finished talking about in verses 15 through 23, and then he goes into 24 and says, Therefore, the wise man, the man who built his house on the rock, is a man that builds his life according to the fruit of the Spirit. I believe that the fruit of the Spirit, I submit to you this, that the fruit of the Spirit is the foundation that our lives ought to be built upon. I believe that the foolish man, I believe the foolish man who built his house on sand is a man, is a person, just like the Corinthian church, that was operating in gifts and was going after gifts and talents And had the appearance of being spiritual. But did not have the fruit of the Spirit in operation in their lives. They could not walk in love with anybody. They were never at peace. They never had joy. They couldn't operate in self-control. They weren't faithful. That is the man who builds his house on the sand. Has no foundation. Now think about it. A house on the sand, that, I mean, that's beachfront property. That's beachfront property right there. I mean, that's, that's what we want to... That, that looks good. But the man who built his house on the rock, he was the one who had his house stand. His house remained. I believe that the man who built his house on the rock is a person that lives their life hearing the Word of God, doing the Word of God, and allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be in operation in their life. Application of the Word leads to the fruit of the Spirit. If you apply the Word, you'll see love evident. If you apply the Word in your life, you'll see joy and peace and patience. If you apply the love, you'll find yourself being faithful. If you apply the word of God to your life, you'll find self-control. You'll operate in self-control. This is a connection we've probably never seen before. In fact, I didn't see it until just earlier today. 
But according to that first word in verse 24, therefore, I believe Jesus is connecting people that have the fruit of the Spirit and those that don't have the fruit of the Spirit to this parable. I'm telling you right now, fruit comes from pressure. And when the storms of life come, when trials and tribulations come, they will prove out what you've been putting in. They always do. It's easy for someone to walk in love when everyone's walking in love with them. It's easy for someone to be at peace when everything around them is going good. It's easy for someone to operate in self-control when they're not in positions of temptation. But when pressure starts to come, when the trials and tribulations, when the storm starts to beat on your house, they will weed out and they will pressurize what's inside of you. And if you have not been sowing the word of God, and if you have not been sowing the seed to produce the fruit of the Spirit, then we are not going to see the fruit of the Spirit in operation. And you may look good on the outside. You may have the gifts going. You may be uh, given tongues and interpretation. I tell you what, a lot of people look good inside the church. But outside the church, there's somebody different. Inside the church, they were using their mouths to give tongues and interpretations and speak wisdoms and revelations. But outside the church, they're cussing out their co-workers, and they're backbiting, and there's strife, and there's envy, there's division. Uh, they go home and they treat their spouses terrible. They have no self-control, and their, their flesh does whatever it wants to do. Because the fruit of the Spirit are not there. I told you earlier that the fruit of the Spirit will sustain the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not to get out in front of the fruit. That's why I'm very cautious as a leader and as a pastor. Very cautious in who we put in positions in this church and what roles they play. And I can tell you right now that we will be at a very high level of accountability. I do not have time to put somebody up on the pulpit to lead worship or to play an instrument or to teach and not care about their life outside the church. You better believe that we will be doing things to get the word in them on a regular basis, even more than just hearing it in church. You better believe that there will be accountability set up. You will not be going to Walmart acting a fool and getting on our stage and leading worship the next day. You will not be in a bar drinking your face off one night and going to church later in the week and acting like you're a totally different person. It will not happen. In fact, I have an obligation of authority and oversight in a person's life to do that. Otherwise, I'm doing what verse 15 says. I am creating a wolf in sheep's clothing. On the outside, you come to church and you look good. You can sing like nobody's business. You can teach like and, 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 and spread mysteries and knowledge like no one's ever heard before. But you get outside the church and you can't rule your home. You're a terrible employee. You show up late. You talk about your boss. You talk behind coworkers' backs. You can't operate in love. People treat you one way and you have to respond the same way 
I'm actually doing those people harm because they think, just like the Corinthian church, just like the Corinthian church, they think they're spiritual. That's why Paul had to go ahead and let them know, I can't talk to you as spiritual people. You're not spiritual people. You are babies. You are immature. You are still infants. I'm having to give you the milk of the word. We can't move on to the solid. Why? Because you think you're spiritual. You think because you're given a psalm, and you think because you're teaching, and you think because you're given a tongue and interpretation, you think because you're prophesying and given revelation. You think you're spiritual people, but you are carnal, immature people. We have to identify this. This is why we're doing this teaching. We're looking at the Holy Spirit. This is why you have the Holy Spirit in your life, to produce the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in your life to make you a spiritual person. But it doesn't come out without planting seed and working the seed, maintaining the seed, and seeing the fruit come from it. A spiritual person is not someone that can give a tongue interpretation. A spiritual person is someone that can walk in love when their coworker has just done them wrong. A spiritual person is not someone that can prophesy and give great revelation. A spiritual person is someone that can operate in peace when they get that news from their job that we're having to let you go. That's a spiritual person. A spiritual person is someone that can react from the spirit realm in a natural situation when they have the opportunity to give in to a natural response. You can have a spiritual response in an emotional moment. You can have a spiritual response in a fleshly moment. Your flesh wants to keep watching that television show, but your spirit knows I shouldn't be putting this in front of my eyes. Your flesh wants to cuss that person out because of what they just did to you. But your spirit says, I will respond in love, and I will heap coals on their head. That is a spiritual person. We have to identify this. For, the, for, for too long, the church has had this idea that spiritual and being spiritual is acting and looking spiritual. But the fruit of the spirit is what tells someone you are a spiritual person. I've told you many times that an apple tree does not have to have a sign on it that says, I am an apple tree. What tells you that it's an apple tree? The fruit. But let me take it one step further. Here is what someone is doing. If they choose to operate in the gifts of the Spirit without having the fruit of the Spirit evident, here's what they're doing. They are taking a sign that says, I am an orange tree, and hanging it on an apple tree. Now let me ask you, does the sign change what that tree really is? No. You know the sign is false. The sign says orange tree. But there's something wrong with this because this tree has apples on it. Someone that is moving and operating in gifts of the Spirit or in talents and in gifts that God has given this person without having the fruit and the character and the conduct to back it up is trying to wear a sign of I'm a Christian or I'm a believer without 
revealing the fruit of a Christian or a believer, without revealing the fruit of a kingdom citizen, you're giving into another kingdom. You're in obedience to a different God. Yet you want to say you're of God. We have to identify this. We have to draw this out. Now I'm going to tell you this passage. This isn't. This isn't a scare tactic. You know, there's a lot of pastors. There's a lot of churches that they preach these verses in Matthew chapter seven, twenty-one through twenty-three. You know, not everyone will say to me, "Lord, Lord," and and, and this every service is an altar call, and every service is to get you to run down to the front and repent of the sins that you did in the last seven days. And and you you got saved and you became born again. Out of fear. And I have the question, is Jesus really your Lord or are you just trying to get out of hell? Now, I've heard people call it fire insurance. You're just trying to get fire insurance. You're just trying to get a get out of hell free card. And that's your motive because people have preached this with a fear. I mean, we know, I mean, this area is known for it. This area is known for pastors and, and, and churches and preachers that preach, can preach fire, hell, and brimstone like, like no problem. I mean, they preach it so strong. You can, you can smell the smoke. You can see fire. Your 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 seat starts getting really hot. You feel like you're sitting on, you're in the hot seat. And that's not what these verses are intended for. These verses, we ought to be excited because you know what? I know the fruit is in my life. I know that I'm revealing what the kingdom is like because I walk in love, because I operate in peace, because I have patience. Because I have self-control. Because I'm faithful. Because I'm not depressed. I have joy in my life. This is the, this is the answer right here. This isn't to scare people. This isn't to make you think you're not really getting into heaven. I'm not going to have an altar call. I mean, you know, there's those people, and you may even be one of them, that you got saved because someone preached that kind of message. And that was the reason why you got saved. I don't want to go to hell. I don't really want what God has for me or want to grow in that, but I definitely know I don't want to go to that place. Sounds bad. And then you go to church the next week, and they never tell you how to live the life of the king. They just tell you that you are saved from hell. You are not going to hell anymore. And they preach the same message over again, and you're asking, okay, I did that last week. I prayed that prayer last week. Now how do I live out? But then they preach it again that they make you feel bad for the last seven days that you end up going back down to the altar again. And then we had to make up a word for it in the church called rededication. You need to to rededicate your life to the Lord. No, you need to learn how to walk and live in the kingdom. That's how you dedicate your life to the Lord. So that's not what we're doing here. I'm not trying to scare people. I'm not trying to bring fear. I'm not trying to make you doubt or question if you're saved. I want to help people reveal the fruit of the kingdom. So in the next seven days, you can reveal what you what has been sown in your heart today. So you don't have to come back to church in one week and say, come to me and say, Pastor Mark, I... I need to pray that prayer again because I really messed up this last week. No, why don't I just go ahead and teach you how to reveal the Holy Spirit and reveal the fruit of the Spirit in your life so we don't have to keep in this cycle. I've seen that. 
I've seen people that are literally in that cycle. Every Sunday, you're going down to the altar and rededicating your life because the, the pastor preached it so hard and preached it so real that you just feel so bad about your life. We need to grow up. And we will. there, there are times we'll mess up. There's times we'll falter. But a righteous man gets up seven times. We get back up and we keep pursuing what we pursued the first day. And it's not the gifts of the Spirit. It's not to be used of God in a mighty way. Those things will happen as a byproduct of operating in the fruit of the Spirit. But do not allow those things and those pursuits to get in front of revealing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. The fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, self-control, goodness, faithfulness. These are the things that need to operate in our lives on a daily basis, not just in church. Don't come through these doors and don't come into these four walls doing your church thing and going out in the world. You've got to first realize you are the church. You're not coming to church. The church is coming to Anchor Faith. You are the church. You carry the kingdom into the world. You carry the Holy Spirit with you everywhere you go. You carry the ability to make right choices on a daily basis. You carry the ability to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, and God will give you gifts of the Spirit to help edify others and to help raise up others. But we cannot do that without first operating in love. You are making a bunch of noise. You are profiting nothing. And you are nothing without the fruit of the Spirit in operation in our lives. Amen? Amen. That's good.